Welcome to Transform with Yayati. My name is Yayati Desai and I'm going to be your host for this show. I'm a coach and a speaker. I love coaching and helping people. My mission in life is to transform lives. Each week, I bring an inspiring person or message to transform your life and help you live the life of your dreams. Hi Nitya, how are you? Good to be here. Good to be here, Yayati. Welcome again to Transform with Yayati and uh, today is a very special episode because we're going to talk about something that I've never talked about and uh, I've never even openly asked you about it. So thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I think this is going to be really, really special and very, very helpful, especially for those in the helping, in the transformational profession, in the service, in the service of humanity, I would say. I agree, actually, because I don't think anyone has asked me this question as pointedly as you have. And I think uh, as I was sitting quietly, uh, so just for the audience, before we started, we just decided to sit quietly for a few minutes. And that's always a good idea to just connect with the deeper layers of what one wants to share. And I was seeing so many little, little, little things that I, I myself was not perhaps as clearly aware about in my own approach to this. How does one authentically share what one wants to share? Uh, without being pushy about it. Um, and maybe, and I wouldn't even say without being pushy about it, because for some people, authentically is pushy. <laughs> but like, I, I wouldn't even say that everyone has to do it my way, right? That maybe their, their style is that. I think mostly it's really about being authentic to your personality. Yes. And so I think the question is great. And I'm looking forward to exploring this and all, all the nuances of this with you. Beautiful, beautiful. So for those who are listening to this episode, for those, of the, for those people who have not heard our previous episode, if you could just walk us through uh, a short journey of how you started, like what you were doing previously, and when did you start mm-hmm. teaching and how, what was that journey like in brief? Sure, sure why not? So essentially, uh, I was born in the US. Um, parents moved back to India when I was quite young. And I've grown up mostly in Pune, Baroda, uh, Delhi and uh, did my college back in Pune in Ferguson College. I was in, uh, uh, also went to do an MBA from XLRI Jamshedpur. At the age of 16, before I did any of that, I uh, happened to go for a meditation course. And that really opened my eyes to a new way of living that was not in my field of possibilities before. And uh, that got, really, got me really excited and I began, began practicing meditation on pretty much a daily basis. And that, that journey, expanded and uh, went on to get invited to teach, to volunteer to teach meditation to children as well. And I began to realize I really actually enjoy teaching these things. It's not easy. Children are not easy to work with, but uh, I enjoyed sharing these principles with them. I remember a time when one little kid talked about how his parents fought so much. And when they would fight, he would go into his room and his heartbeat would go up. But now he'd learned this practice. So he would watch his breath and he would calm himself down. And he, he would sometimes even intervene between his parents and say, can't we talk about this in a calmer way? <laughs> They'd be like, what little kid is telling us? So anyway, these are small examples. So that led to a further uh, enthusiasm to deepen this, these, uh, this, this aspect of my life. And I, after my uh, MBA, worked for a short while in the corporate world and decided to leave that and become a monk. So I lived as a Buddhist monk for six years or so in Thailand and Sri Lanka. And in 2008, I decided to leave that as well. And the, be- the beautiful thing about Buddhism is you can be a monk for as long as you like. You don't have to be a monk for life. So I was a monk for about six years. And then for the last whatever number of years since 2008, I've been sharing some of the things I've learned with different groups. 
uh, some open groups, some corporate groups, some government groups, NGOs, schools, colleges, a whole bunch of people, psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, done a lot of work with doctors. And uh, yeah, all kinds of people, including children sometimes, teenagers. So I've had a chance, chance to share this with a wide variety of audiences. And I find, in a way, it seems that across age groups, across industries, across religions, across uh, regions, uh, people seem to resonate with some of the things I share. So there seems to be something universal about this, apparently. And uh, yeah. mostly I get pretty good feedback uh, about the experiences. And even even long time after they've met me, people talk about some of the things they've learned. So yeah, that's kind of been the journey, spreading happiness. And to spread happiness, you have to be a channel of that. So you have to tune in. And what is the meaning of happiness? It's not just pleasure. Uh, it's also a deeper sense of being contented at the same time, having a broader vision for what you are and what this world is and what this life is about. Mm. So those are some of the things I've been up to. Beautiful. You said spreading happiness. How do you spread the word about spreading happiness to others? Because when you started out, when you came out of monkhood in 2008, yeah. like what was mm. your first thought? What did you think? What, what should I do? Were you always well-connected because of your previous life? Or like, how did that happen? Because I am going to ask like very, very straight and direct questions today, yeah, please. which probably a lot of people have. Like there are a lot of healers. There are a lot of uh, people from the helping in the coaching profession connected to you, learning, attending your courses, right? And they would also like to learn, especially this is, I'm doing this for me, like honestly, authentically speaking, right? Perfect. Yeah. Because I'm inspired with the way you do it. I really like it. In a way, that's the answer. I also do it for me. <laughs> I really don't feel, uh, I mean, of course, we say spreading happiness or whatever. But my teacher said something significant once. He said, teach others what you want to learn. Mm. So even my agreeing to do this call with you, it may seem like it's about teaching others what I've learned. But actually, it's just about me clarifying my own process. right? Yes. So whether people get something out of it or not is secondary, actually. So I remember a couple of years back, for the first time, after many, many years, I felt one day I woke up, I had a, a one-day session. I didn't feel like doing it. That was the first time in years that I had a sense of, oh, I don't, I don't feel like doing this. I said, what? How, how come? I love what I do. Mm. And I realized that, oh, I've been, I've been pushing too much, I've been focusing too much on the outside. And immediately at that time, I took a sabbatical. So I took a six, eight-month sabbatical right after that. Mm. So I really want to do this for me and not just as a profession and not just as... So when I first came back from the monastic life, I did not have a fixed plan. In fact, this question did come to me. Am I here to touch millions and millions of lives? Or am I here to be true to myself? And in the process, I may touch one life or five lives or 10 lives. And the answer was very clear to me. My priority is to be true to myself. Now, whether I touch two lives or five lives or 10 lives or 10 million lives, that's secondary, actually. The, the number is secondary. Mm. I'm not going to dilute myself to meet other people's expectations. I'm here to really be true to myself. And so that was one clarity which came. The other clarity which came is I'm not here to do a job. I'm here to follow my joy. <laughs> So, because you see, I'd lived as a monk with no money for six years. So in a way, my training was, I can live, I'm used to sleeping on the, on the ground. I'm used to sleeping under trees. I'm used to eating one meal a day. You know, I'm used to having one set of clothes. I'm used to, in my monk tradition, cow's urine is considered medicine. <laughs> so food, clothing, shelter, medicine. I mean, I'm used to the simplest of the simple. I've trained like that for six years. So I don't need all that much money to live, actually. So I was coming from a place of, I'm going to follow my joy. I'm not doing this just for the money. Of course, it's great to get money, but I'm not doing it just for the money, right? So that was one clarity which came to me. And uh, 
I think there is a certain element of intrigue when the people hear about someone who's been an MBA and who's become a monk. So definitely there was some level of intrigue. Oh, there's this fellow who's been an MBA, he's become a monk and he's come back. So people, some, some level of that was there. But really the real thing that worked, at least in my case, and I think in, especially when you're talking to about healers, coaches, counselors, those kinds of things, what really works more than anything else is word of mouth. You can advertise and everything, but ultimately this kind of thing, people will only go when someone trusted tells them, I went and it helped me and you should try it out. I actually was one program. I've learned something called EFT, emotional freedom techniques. And I was so excited. I was kind of evangelical about it. I want everyone to learn this. And I went all out one particular program. This was early on the first year. And I went out and I put newspaper ads and I put all these flyers inside newspapers. And I told everyone about it. I booked a big hall and uh, I only had about 15 people turn up. <laughs> and that was a good lesson that, you know, this kind of stuff, it's not it's not just by throwing money at stuff. It's, 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 it's really about people learning from people. So I found that the organic way is best. And uh, at least for me, that's what I found really worked uh, at that time. Have I answered your question? The first question you asked? Yes, partly. Yeah. So ask again. I'm happy to clarify further. Sure. So like you said that you are doing this for yourself. That, that's one clarity which you had from the very beginning. That I'm, I, I'm, not I'm not going to focus on the number. I'm not going to. And one very important thing which you mentioned was you don't, you are okay with what is. It's like you're okay with sleeping on the floor. You're okay with minimal food and minimal shelter because you've been trained that way for the last six years during your monkhood, right? And when people are transitioning either from a job or maybe they, they were doing something else in the previous life and then they choose to become a healer or a counselor, they have this need for a certain lifestyle, a certain, uh, like a number that I at least want this much. And when they don't get that, like let's say they were earning X amount uh, in their job or their previous business. And now they're, they're just seeing a few little, a few number of people coming to them and taking the sessions and they're, they're, they're working great, but still there's this need. So what would you say? And I think I got my answer from your, uh, I got the answer to my question from your sharing about you being a monk. I thought that that might be a hindrance to charging money, but I think that was sort of uh, a benefit because it helped you that you know that I can, I, I am going to be okay no matter what because I've lived my previous life. So there's, I don't need much. So how do, you, how, do you, how do you handle that? Because not everybody has that six years of training of being a monk. Well, I, I think it's, in my case, it was very interesting that... Uh... Initially, I was not charging anything. It was completely by donation. And one fascinating thing I noticed was when I was a monk, I didn't even need money. People would make these gigantic donations, large donations, right? Of course, I couldn't handle it. There'd be some caretakers that take care of it. I, was not, I, I did not have access to the money. But in case, like, if I want to buy a laptop, like, for example, that money could be used to buy me a laptop. If I had to travel, my tickets could be bought. So, but the moment I stopped being a monk, then people became very stingy about how much money they gave me. So I found that very really fascinating. The moment I'm a monk, they say, oh, he's a monk. And they give one, one, one lady even uh put my name she put my name on her her property that when wow. i die then it'll be on yeah i'd like i don't know how many lakhs of rupees that it'll, it'll all it'll all come to you when i die so, like, i didn't even ask for that it just happened by itself right now uh so initially i was not charging anything i was just happening to just going by donation and one time I, was, I remember being invited to bangalore by a group so they've booked my flight they booked a place they organized it was a two two and a half day session they organized food they organized a place, uh, they organized a flight and about 25 people came and they loved the program. 
and we got about i think three or four hundred rupees in donation and i found that so hilarious i actually found it hilarious that three or four hundred rupees like do people have no concept of what and when to do organizing this and also I, it's not even their fault it's because we had been so like of course people will donate you know the box is just kept on the corner yeah, yeah just donate so we never even really properly spoke about it so people also were a little confused right and that shows my lack of being okay with asking right because i was not clear about asking and i was like of course people know it's it's, a, it's an event by donation they'll donate the box is kept there it says by donations so we got like 400 rupees in donations for 25 people attending a program and I, at that day i really laughed and i said okay what worked for me as a monk is not working for me over here right right and these people have invested like out of loving they were not even expecting anything they had themselves paid for the flight and everything but i said that's not fair to the people who are organizing they're paying from their own pockets and people are not getting a sense so I said, no, now I'm going to, if that's the way it's going to be, then I'm going to now suggest to people what they need to pay to have, they have to have some sense of what, what is going into organizing this. Yeah. And one more benefit that came from that was earlier when I was not charging, people would, a lot of people would sign up and they'd be very casual last minute. Oh, I can't come. Or uh, can I leave midway? Or can I come on the second day? I can't come on the first day. So I realized people are very, so if they don't pay, they don't pay attention. I said, oh, this is fascinating. They're, they're taking it for granted, right? So this, I began to realize that, no, I, I, need to, I need to charge. And initially when I was doing one-on-one -on -one sessions, I charged like 500 rupees. And I met one of my friends, Gyandev. So he said, Gyandev said, what are you doing these days? I said, yeah, I'm doing this, this, this. How much do you charge? I said, 500. He said, 500? Nitya, what are you talking about? It's too little. I said, how much should I charge? He said, you should charge at least 5,000. I said, 5,000? That's 10 times. He said, just do it. I said, let's do it. So the next person who came, I said, 5,000. I said, Nitya, I heard you charge 500. I said, no, now it's become 5,000. So right away, a whole bunch of people stopped coming. Right. Because they assumed I'd become money-minded. Mm. And the way I like to think of it is they are also money-minded because they're judging me because of how much money I'm charging. <laughs> True. So, but but the, what's interesting is right away, a whole new set of people began coming. And they were quite happy to pay 5,000 rupees. Then I was in Delhi and my friend Vineet said, Nitya, we have some CEOs and they wanted to get coaching from you. How much do you charge? I said, I charge 5,000. I'm very happy to charge 5,000. I said, Nithya, please, no one will come to you if you charge 5,000. I said, really, how much should I charge? I said, charge at least 50,000. I said, 50,000, that's 10 times. He said, just do it. I said, let's do it. <laughs> so right away, I upped the game from 500 to 5,000 and from 5,000 to 50,000. And it's amazing. No matter what you charge, someone in the world will find it too high and someone in the world will find it not high enough. And they'll judge your quality based on what you charge. It's mm. fascinating. Another thing was with corporate work. Uh, initially, I just say yes to any corporate work. But I began realizing that if I say yes to any corporate work, uh, like, for example, they asked me to work with middle management and they love it. The middle managers love the program. But now the senior management will not come. Why? He's a middle management trainer. I said, oh, just because I accepted to do it with the middle management first, now they'll not come. Right. So I said, all right, that's yeah. the way the game is played. We have to, you have to understand how the game is played. If that's the way people think, all right, let's play the game then. So then I only work with top management first. Any, any, any group that calls me, I work with top teams first. Then later on, I'm happy to work with other teams. And that's what happened in many companies that work with the top team. They'd love it and it'll trickle down to some extent. Of course, my, my, my fees also increased. So then they couldn't trickle it down beyond a point. Right. But that was fine, you see, because it, and then they would train other people within the company to then share it with them. So you had to, I began to realize you have to work within the way things are. And I, I just wanted to be flexible. So I learned to be really flexible. I can charge uh, a donation. I can charge a sliding scale donation. I can charge less. I can charge more. I can charge a lot. I can charge, uh, you know, the fees I would charge internationally. And can I be flexible with this? 
as opposed to pegging myself can i be more fluid with this my self worth is not based on this because mm-hmm. i know at any level i'm going to show up and i'm going to do my best because there are three levels there's job there's career there's calling job is something you do to pay the bills right career is right. what you do for growth and advancement and for knowledge and for influence and calling is something that's inherently fulfilling you see i would have done this anyway because like i said i don't even need that much so i would have i like you know it's a calling when you might even want to be okay to pay to do it like i don't even mind paying to do it that's how much i love doing it right right so it's a calling for me anyway it's inherently self fulfilling and it's a bonus that i get paid for it but sometimes you have to learn and this is a process i don't think everyone gets it immediately and i want to say this it's very important that your hesitation your doubts when it comes to charging any amount like when i had to go from 500 to 5000 then yes there was a sense of what are people going to say Oh, that's very beautiful now that that gets me to look at how i'm looking for validation from all these kinds of people true sometimes even if you charge a little bit then people say oh it's not spiritual to charge oh really where did you get this idea from back in the days the gurus and the healers and the teachers they were part of a community and the community paid for their stay for their edu- for the children's education for their food for their medicine like monks for example monks don't need to charge money because monks are taken care of if monk falls sick the community will make sure they get the best hospitalization correct right So if you're part of a, a community like that, the way it was back in ancient India, the rishis were there and all of that, then fantastic. Then you then truly one spirituality does not need to be charged for. But now when everyone wants to live their own life and they have no concern, then that that same paradigm doesn't work. You can't have it both ways. You can't say uh, you do your own thing at the same time you can't charge for it, right? Mm. So in order for my growth, like see, it's not just about paying my bills. Paying my bills is not that much. but i also want to grow as a human being so i may want to travel i may want to attend a workshop myself i may want to read a book i may want to do many things otherwise how do i upgrade myself right yes so for for me to have my full life and i i decided that i'm quite happy spending money on on my on my experiences on my travels on my my value system basically so learning is my value system uh, donating to causes i believe in is my value system a high quality food is my value system i'd rather have a simpler home I'd rather have a simpler car, but I want to have the best quality of these things. So I'm very clear about where I want to allocate my money. Right, my money goes towards my value system. Use my my resources in a way that matches my value system, and can I do that in the best possible way? So that these were some of the steps in just little by little being more authentic about where I am. And like I was saying, notice within you the contraction that comes every time you change how much you charge. that's actually very important that's exactly the place what you and i teach the world we have to apply it on ourselves mm. yeah do you teach hope on a pono do you teach eft do you teach self acceptance do you teach love do you teach meditation what do you teach well apply it on yourself this is the place <laughs> apply it on yourself now you're feeling contracted now you're feeling unsure now you're feeling i'm not sure if i'm worthy everything you're teaching the world apply it to yourself wow this is really beautiful so this actually becomes more than just a oh nitya what are the ways that we can auth- um, authentically market ourselves no this is a rich field of personal growth mm. because we have all these notions about money and spirituality and what's you know what's wholesome and not and suppose we just say for a moment this is all like steve jobs said we are all naked we're all going to die <laughs> let's be clear about this right. we're all going to die right. and you know when you die like i have had relatives during this coronavirus who have died and not a single person could go and meet them these are relatives who attended every wedding who attended every funeral who were always there for others but when they died no one was there for them they were alone or maybe intimate family members we had a zoom call all right yeah so we do all of this steve jobs says but actually we're all naked we're all going to die one day so if you're going to die one day then what do you got to lose you know what are you so afraid of protecting so we find that all of these are just notions yesterday i read a nice one tradition 
is peer pressure from the dead. <laughs> dead folks. <laughs> peer pressure from dead folks. It's so true, you know. Who, what is this peer pressure about? Why can't I charge whatever I like? Why can't I do whatever I like? Why can't I dress the way I like? Right? So it's about, and actually it's, it's a good thing the peer pressure is there because that's exactly what makes us grow and come into our own. You can't expect to just come into your own by yourself. Mm. As you go through mm. teenage years, there will be a point you will have a loggerhead with your parents. And you need to have that loggerhead with your parents because you need to stand up for yourself. You need to find your own values, even if temporarily the wrong values, doesn't matter. But you need to make those decisions and you need to be accountable to yourself. That's a necessary process. So this is also a healthy process. Our struggling with figuring out what is authenticity, what, how do I market myself? How much do I charge? Is it okay to charge? What, do, what will people think? This is exactly, notice that within yourself and apply everything you're teaching the world right there. That makes you a much more authentic coach or healer or whatever it is you're doing. Beautiful. Wow, that was amazing. Imagine that all the communities that, are, that you've built and all the connections that you have, you somehow, I don't know, whatever happens and you don't have it now. And if you were to begin now, what would you do? Yeah, share your gifts. Sh show up, share your gifts. Uh, when I came back from the monastery, even though yeah, you were asking about connections earlier and stuff, I had been to a leading business school. I had, I was those days very, very diligent about wishing people on their birthdays. And uh, I used to really be very good at this. You would send a big stack of cards, handwritten cards on, on all the major festival days. But when I became a monk, then I stopped doing that. So for six years, I kind of lost contact and I didn't have email. And only a handful of people, I'd say less than 10 people kept in touch with me. I would say maybe more like five or six people. So when I came back, there were not that many people I kind of knew that I could tap my connections or anything like that. It was just pretty much friends who would meet me, right? So I started from just people would, I just, we talk to people and they say, oh, Nitya, that's an interesting journey. Can you tell us more about it? And I talk about it. Hey, would you like to, my, I think my husband needs to hear this. I think my kids need to hear this. I think my wife needs to hear this. Can we have a two hour session? Can we have a one day session? Can you come to my organization? And one thing led to the, to the next, right? So in the beginning, one shouldn't get so hung up about how much one charges. Right. Because the truth is in the beginning, you're probably learning more than they are. True. <laughs> and uh, you, you should be actually willing to make a lot of mistakes. So it's called fail forward. Hmm. Uh, I, I often say that when the program goes really well, then everybody learns a lot. When the program goes really badly, then I learn a lot. <laughs> So either way, someone is learning, right? So okay. one shouldn't be afraid of doing, really messing it up. Ajahn Brahm, one of the most powerful teachers I know, he talks about how he was a horrible teacher. In the beginning, people would get bored. They'd yawn. They'd leave while he was talking. He was so bad. But he would reflect on why was it so bad? Right. And what can I do differently? And he went on from, he was a good meditator, but he was a horrible teacher. But he started to realize that, oh, anecdotes help. Stories help. Humor helps. You know, keeping it practical helps. Applying it to real-world problems helps. Hmm. So he, may, he developed his style of teaching by reflection, introspection. So one great thing, I think I should do it more nowadays. I don't do it as much. But back in the day, I was very, very sincere about this. Every program, I would ask people, how would you rate this program 0 to 10? What, so whatever number you come up with, 7, 8, 9, 10. What made it a whatever number you gave it? And what would make it a 10? Right. So in other words, what was perfect and what can be improved? Hmm. Nitya, your music was too loud. It, it disturbed us during meditation. Oh, that's great to know. Uh, Nitya, you speak too fast. Nothing can be done about that. I still speak fast. <laughs> Whatever it is, the point is, 
what is <laughs> what is the way it is and what can be done better so this is feedback right feed forward feedback whatever you want to call it yeah. and i was so diligent every single session i would ask for that and that made me reflect and that made me improve to some extent right so this is called growth mindset you keep on improving 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 getting better and better and better as you go along so i would if i had to start all over again i would just start by sharing my gifts i've actually had this opportunity i've gone to places like utah which is a state in the us which is mostly mormon i would say 80 to 90% of the population are mormon mormon is a very specific kind of christianity okay and has a lot of beauty to it in many ways but again it's a very in a way a very strong belief system right yeah. and they're not really open forget about other other religions they're not even open to other christianity that much so i was surprised when even in a place like that people heard about what i do and they said hey nitya would you like to give a talk at the local library i said sure and i gave a talk and 20 mormons attended and they loved it and they called me to their homes and they called me to the next gathering and next thing you know a local buddhist group discovered me and i spoke there first day there were 20 people then nitya come back next week next day next week there were 40 people nitya we don't have enough place we loot in the garden next time next time we did in the garden we had over 100 people and i wasn't even charging i was just sharing my gifts Hmm. and very soon i was married at the time uh, i was going to the uh, supermarket with my wife and people were saying hi to me and esther is like nitya i have lived here my whole life no one saying hi to me they're all saying hi you just been here 3 months <laughs> what's going on over here hmm. and that's because i was just sharing my gifts right so whatever gift you have your primary focus should be on sharing your gift hmm. initially don't overthink about making the money which is the mistake about oh i've left my career i need to earn that much no you got it wrong you got to give it a good leap like the the plane needs a runway right mm. so don't get overly fixated on money in the beginning focus on adding value focus on adding value and just like in my case it began with not charging anything to to going to donations to going to all of the it just took a life of its own it went where it had to go had to go right that's what i'd recommend share your gifts show up share your gifts and eventually start synergizing that's another important one in the beginning i tried to do everything by myself I tried to invoice myself, talk to clients myself, organize things myself. It was a completely bad strategy. And I literally had to decide, I almost made a prayer to the universe. Universe, I don't enjoy invoicing. I don't enjoy the initial discussion with clients. I don't enjoy uh, the, the organizing of my sessions. So if this work is meant to happen, let these people show up. And they wow. did show up. someone showed up who would organize my programs and yeah i gave him a small percentage or whatever percentage of what i what i would earn somebody showed up to invoice and we give them and of course we want to value their gifts so we would we would share we would find a way that if someone gets a lead they would get a percentage if someone talks to the initial client they get a percentage if they're training with me they get a percentage and we figured out so just in a way that felt fair to everybody right hmm. and uh, i decided i don't want to organize so it's fascinating i was teaching all over india and actually all over the world but i wasn't teaching in pune much where i live so people said nitya why don't you teach in pune i said because in pune because i live here you expect me to organize but i've decided i don't want to organize <laughs> so if you organize i'll come right okay. and i really kept to that so pune became like my holiday place i wouldn't really teach much in pune i yeah. teach everywhere else almost except pune or once in a while we do stuff because i was very clear that i don't i want to focus on my gift and my gift is showing up and teaching in this way and i don't want to spend too much of time on other things and when i did that the right people showed up who are much better than me at that they're better at me than talking to clients they're better better at me at negotiating than at negotiating they're better at me and they're better at, let them do it in fact we shouldn't sometimes mix up it's nice for coaches and all of that sometimes to have a second person who's talking about price and things like that otherwise it gets kind of mixed mixed up to the client okay this inspiring figure is now you know telling us how much they want to charge that can be a challenge sometimes so it can be helpful sometimes to have a separate person talking about it but it's not a big deal either way the point is you find 
what it is that you really want to focus on and find a way to delegate and outsource and eliminate everything else. This would be a very important point. Hmm. Thank you. When I, when I met Jack Canfield, he, he said the same thing that the trainer, like you need to have a separate person. Like she, he has Patty Aubrey, who was previously her, her, his secretary and now is the president of his companies. And he said, I would call, I would tell Patty to call the White House and she wouldn't hesitate, but I would have thought, so am I good enough? And can I do this? Am I, am I like famous enough that the White House would accept my call? But then Patty wouldn't mind. She, was, she would just go and do it. So you need that person. So definitely, I would definitely agree to what you've said and shared over this. Thank you. And one more thing I want, before you ask your next question, I want to say that this is important to me, that just because it works for me, hmm. doesn't mean it'll work for anybody else. And just because I think it works for me, doesn't even mean it works for me. I love these two disclaimers of spirituality. And I think this keeps it grounded. Otherwise, there's an assumption that, oh, I have this very magical thing to share with the world. Like it, some people will not like it. Is right. it really even helping you? Right? So what I've come to think is that what I'm offering is meant for some people. It's exactly like SW, 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 SW. Some will, some won't. So what? Someone's waiting. There's someone waiting for exactly what I have to share and the way I have to share it. Hmm. But it may not be everybody. Like when we used to do prison courses, I used to teach meditation in prisons. And Goenkaji would tell us, remember, you're going there for a few people. There are a few people, there's a word in Pali called, called parami, paramita. Uh, parami means uh, it's qualities that help you transcend this whole ocean of suffering. There are a few prisoners whose time has come. It's come so strongly that these teachings have been now got into the prison. Hmm. So don't be frustrated if everyone doesn't seem excited. It's meant for a few people. Some are here to get the seed. And some already have the seed that you're here to flourish their seed or, or blossom into the fullness. That's a very powerful way of looking at it. So not everyone is coming. Some are going to come. They're going to be, yeah, okay, yeah, nothing great. Some are going to be excited and some are going to be enthralled. And so remember, you will have all kinds of people at all times. Hmm. And the one who's skeptical makes the biggest journey, right? Because the one who's enthusiastic, all it is going to go ahead. But the one who's skeptical, they've had a big shift because they're like, oh, wow, this is a completely different way of looking at it. Right. But we have to be open. Right. One facilitation tool or idea is honor emergence. So if emergence includes, if one person is skeptical, don't make that person the wrong person. He or she is embodying a certain skeptical energy that is there in the whole group. And they're doing a favor. So when you can be accepting and open and validate that person and listen to them and find a way to integrate their energy, you have actually given a gift to the whole group. Mm. You've given permission. It's called welcome everything. You've given permission to the whole group that all parts of you are welcome, not just the excited and enthusiastic parts of you. And when someone is disappointed in my teachings, it's wonderful because by getting disappointed in me, they have appointed themselves. Yes. They have, they've appointed themselves. So this is a beautiful gift, actually. We should, like, I'm very clear. My aim is to be redundant. I don't want to be your guru for life. That's mm. not what I'm looking for. Mm. I want to share with you a few things. And then I want you to move on with your life. I'm not here. I'm not, even though people say followers and all, I don't see myself as a guru and I'm not here to collect followers. I'm here because I enjoy this. I'm here because I love it. And that's the main thing. Why would I want to, why would, it's, it's very tedious to be a guru. Why do I want to be a guru? I'm not interested in being a guru. I'd rather be a shuru. I'd rather be a beginner, beginner's mind. So when someone is, yeah. So someone is disappointed in me, fantastic. They just appointed themselves as the authority on their life, not me. And that's a great gift I've given them. So whether they're happy 
or they're disappointed. Either way, it's good. They're happy they learn something. If they're disappointed, also they learn something. So we get ourselves out of the equation. It becomes an impersonal process. And one thing I'm sure a lot of your people are watching this will also do it, but good to remember that whenever you come into a teaching space, healing space, coaching space, take a moment to center yourself. Even we did it right now before the call, we centered ourselves and get out of your way, empty yourself to the extent possible. The more empty you are, the more you become a channel of blessings. And then, so in, in a way you're invoking the highest, you're sharing the highest. And then whatever goodness is em emerges from that, you offer it back to the highest. Mm. I don't know if you do this, but it's a good practice. Like I've begun doing this. I really, I was neglecting it for a while, but I've gotten back to it. At the end of a session, sit quietly for at least two or three minutes and radiate back whatever. There's a lot of goodness that got, that got emerged. Happiness came, uh, some healing happened, some integration happened, some enthusiasm happened, some clarity happened. A lot of people benefited. Now take a moment to give thanks. Take a moment to offer this back to the source it's come from. And what you've done there is it's no longer Nitya Shanti doing this, mm. right? You are now a channel. You are now a portal. Right. And that's beautiful because now you don't take it personally. So when someone appreciates you also, you say, how wonderful. I, I'm, so, I'm so glad you got benefited. And if they don't like it, how wonderful. I can learn from that. Thank you so much. You don't take it personally. You don't mm. take praise personally. You don't take blame personally because you see yourself mostly as a conduit. Yes. And at an even more profound level, you see yourself as only talking to yourself at the deepest level. At the deepest level, I'm not talking to Yayati or to some random people. I'm only talking to myself. I'm educating parts of myself that may have forgotten this. Mm. Right? So this is a completely different paradigm. The main thing I'm trying to convey in this entire call is you get clear about the main thing that you are representing. What is the main, what is the, what is the essence of what you want to share? I call it your signature frequency. So, for example, my signature frequency would be something like profound yet playful, or would be something like silent yet grateful, right? Or it would be something like open intelligence, right? And that, that frequency that I'm representing, that I know what that means, right? So, my only job is to be tuned into that frequency. And I lose it when I start wondering, oh, is this person liking it or not? Will they sign up or not? Will it... I, that's where I start losing it. Or oh, am, am, am I earning enough or not? Mm. So you start losing it. You come back to your prime frequency. You come back to that. You keep coming back to that. And you have a very clear intention about why. You be clear about your agenda. What is your agenda? And you can be clear about your agenda or you can be clear that you have no agenda. You want pretty agenda less. Both those are fine. It's called conscious intention or conscious non-intention. These are some of the ways that you're more in your center and you're more in your clarity. So the question which I have for you now is how do you like refine, like what is your prime frequency? How do you get clarity on that? You can ask, you can fill in the blanks in my presence, beings experience, fill in the blanks. So I'll tell you one that comes to me in my presence, beings receive an incorruptible seed of awakening. Hmm. whether or not you understand that I know what I'm talking about right so in my presence beings receive an incorruptible seed of awakening and to me awakening is both dimensions the enlightened dimension and the embodied dimension so for me awakening means an intuition about what self-realization is and an intuition about what self-actualization is so my essence and my activity in this world
Now I know what that means. So in my presence, beings receive an incorruptible seed of awakening. So I just have to just tune into that. And now whatever I talk about, I could talk about board games. I could talk about, uh, you know, uh, deep listening. I could talk about relationships. I could talk about meditation, but that's going to get communicated one way or the other, because that's the underlying frequency, right? Yeah. If it is, I hope hundred people sign up at the end of this. <laughs> that's a very different frequency. Right. And that, and people pick up on it. People are not silly, right? We are all, uh, uh, we are all, we all have a God essence here. Hmm. So don't think that people are so foolish. People are going to pick up on your underlying frequency. They sense, they can smell it at some level. Right. They may even, they may even fall for it. They may even sign up for it because you'll use all these uh, tricks of, of the trade. They may even sign up for it, but they'll not respect you and they'll not be with you for long. Hmm. Right. So you may get a short term kind of a thing that, oh, they, they signed up. Oh, high pressure sales. Hey guys, discount. This is the time now, 24 hours. And they may even do it, but they're not going to stay with you. Come on. You know, they're, they're, they'll, they'll, they'll see through it soon enough. You know, you can fool so you've got a transaction. You fool them forever. Exactly. You can, what's that nice one? You can fool uh, some of the people all the time, all of the people, some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. True. <laughs> True. Awesome. <laughs> you said some will, some won't, some won't. Uh, so what? Someone's waiting. So do you focus your work around the ones who are waiting or do you serve all? I actually focus on what I feel enthusiastic about. A mm. big part of this, sooner or later, you'll have to come to a place where you realize the importance of saying no. In the beginning, you may say yes to everything. And maybe it's all right to say yes to everything because you're getting data points. Like you don't, maybe you don't even realize that you like working with teenagers. Mm. Like in my case, I realized I actually don't like working with teenagers. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> now that I mean, the thing is that I'll tell you why I don't like it. Not, nothing wrong with teenagers, but often teenagers have been sent to attend my sessions. Huh. They haven't signed up themselves. Right. And I don't like right. the energy so much of people who have been sent and they're waiting, ah, now what's he going to do? Right. I would rather have people who want to come to my session. So that's the main reason. If, if teen, like, in fact, just uh, today, I've got a message. There's a bunch of teenagers who have invited me specifically to come and address that 100, 100 of them. And they've started a voluntary organization. Oh, I'd love to talk to them. No problem. Because they want me to come, you see. Mm -hmm. So what I learned in my process was I, I don't want to, I don't want to work so much with youngsters or anybody for that matter, who's been forced to come to my sessions. I'd rather work with people who want to come to my sessions. Right. Because that's the energy I like. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a big part of this is also learning to say no and refining who you want to work with. Mm -hmm. And so I'll tell you the one that I like to work most with are people who are in a position to help others. So it could be teachers, could be healers could be other facilitators. I love working with these people because I get them. You see, because at some level, I'm also doing that. Perfect. So I feel I can work even deeper with them than other people. Of course, yeah. I can work with business people and I can work with police officers. I can work with all kinds of people, but specifically those who are in this to help and improve the quality of life of others or educate others in some way. Oh, that goes so deep. That's my favorite kind of people to work with. Hmm. So of course, I tend to say yes to that a lot more. And I might even charge less because I just want to work with them. Right. So I'm, I'm happy to do that. Okay. So like this, you will get a sense as you go along because it's also important, not only who wants to work with you, but you should also want to work with them. Of course. Sometimes organizations have approached me and I just don't agree with uh, the work they do sometimes like, like a big poultry farm approached me, hmm. but I'm, I'm a vegan and I don't want to, I don't really, I don't, it's, it's a, it's a tough call, but you know, I know I'm working with the people there. Hmm. But in a way, I'm making them more effective at what they do. <laughs> Correct. So in my value system, animals. in my value system, 
I know it's a little tricky one because where do you even draw the line? But at least it, it didn't feel, I didn't feel excited about it. I would just go with that. I didn't feel enthusiastic about working with a poultry farm, right? So I, I said, I'm going to decline. And I usually recommend maybe try another friend of mine. Maybe he can do it or she can do right. it. So it's important for me to feel the enthusiasm. And if I'm not feeling it, one thing I've learned, by the way, because initially I just say yes, everything, but I've learned to say, let me get back to you. So I'll have a phone call and say, Nitya, can you do this? Can you do this? In the beginning, I just say, yeah, my calendar is open. Let's do it. Right. But now I say, let me get back to you. And I'll, and I'll sit, I'll stay for a day or two. So if yes, I'll give them a date. And if not, then uh, I'll actually say, you know what? Let me, let me recommend somebody else because I'm not right. really feeling this. <laughs> so because I should enjoy doing it. I should enjoy doing it as well. Correct. So you tune into the frequency of whether that is something that I really want to do or not. And then you say yes, to, yes or no to that. Check the expansiveness, you know, check the expansiveness. Sometimes I get such so energized before a session, even hours before the session, my whole body is tingling with energy. I'm like, wow, this is going to be a great session. I know, I know beforehand it's going to be a great session, but I can feel it. Right. If I can feel it hours before, why would I not feel it days or months before? Yeah. In the moment the information comes, a part of you says yes, or a part of you says not, not, no thanks. But we often don't honor it. It's, oh, we're getting paid a lot. We should probably do this. So I think it's good to check and be honest with yourself. Thank you. And what does marketing mean to you? Like, do, like authentically speaking, do you set goals as in like, okay, I want to, in, th in this year, I want to reach X amount of people or I want to uh, have these many people in my courses and I want to spread my message to these many people. Do you do that now or you don't? You know, I've yes, never done that. Yeah, I've never really done that. But in between, I had a social media company that was trying to get me to do that. Okay. But honestly, that didn't feel that didn't feel authentic to me. Hmm. Like to me, I'm less actually concerned about numbers and I'm more interested in depth. So, and if the depth is there, then whatever number has to come will come, right? So at least that's my way of thinking. It may not be the best way of thinking or whatever, but that's my, I would rather focus on, on, really being true to myself and serving whoever does come in the best possible way. Because you see, it's not always as simple as it appears. It may look like someone's got a YouTube channel with 10 million people, right? 10 million people touched versus, uh, let's say, uh, a Sayaji Ubakin who had a handful of disciples, a Ramakrishna Paramahansa who had a handful of disciples, but each of those disciples went on to touch the whole world. Right. Swami Vivekananda went on to touch the whole world. SN Goenka popularized meditation across the whole world, right? There are countless, countless YouTube channels with over a million subscribers, right? But how many of those subscribers are going on to change the world, right? Or touch the world. Hmm. So it's not always as simple as it appears. Sometimes it looks like you're only touching a few people, but you don't know where that influence stops. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. So hmm. I, would, I would rather focus on depth. Of course, it's wonderful if you can have more. Uh, we shouldn't be close to that. But in my case, I've not approached it like that. I'll tell you there are four, broadly, I found four different styles of promoting a message. One is called evangelical. Evangelical style is something like, I think uh, Landmark Forum does this. At the end of Landmark Forum, they say, hey guys, you got to go and get, I forget how many, two, three, four, five, ten. You got to go and get your family members to come and attend this. Why? It's good for them. Mm. You benefited? Mm. Yes, you benefited. Go get your family members, call them. They'll not come themselves. Call them, get them, get them, get them. High pressure, get someone, right? And this also happens in many religious groups. 
Even, and why? Because you're saving their soul. Come on, you, you'll find them on the roads giving out their whatever holy book. Take this yes. holy book. Take this holy book. This will change your life. This is the first method. It's called evangelical method, right? And all right, it'll benefit some. It'll not benefit some. And by the way, I'm not judging any of the methods. I'm just telling you the different methods. One is evangelical. Yeah. Where, where, and even I had that at a certain point when I was just learned meditation. I just wanted everybody to meditate. I mean, you could not have a conversation with me where I did not mention meditation one, one way or the other. Because I wanted everyone to meditate. Right? If you only have a hammer, everything appears like a nail. So yeah. if someone's having a headache, I say, yeah, you're having a headache because you don't meditate. If someone, if someone has a bad relationship because you don't meditate. I found everything should meditate, meditate, meditate. So yeah. I was also evangelical at a certain point. But then I realized it doesn't always work. The second approach is, if someone asks you, you can tell them. This was the approach of my mother, had a good friend who she'd known for many years, hmm. and she had been a meditator. But my, she never talked about her meditation life, Vipassana meditation. Uh, one day my mother asked her, how come I've never seen you get upset? I've never seen you get frust uh, flustered. I've never seen you get angry. What's your secret? Hmm. And she smiled and said, well, I meditate. I meditate for an hour in the morning, hour in the evening. So really, what do you do? And then she told her, it's like, wow, I've known you for so long. You never said this. Because she waited for her to ask. You see, she's not evangelical. Hmm. When people ask, you can tell. This is method number two. You're not holding back, but you don't go pushing it. Let people ask on their own. Method number three is very interesting. You don't tell until they ask at least three times. <laughs> mm -hmm. So this is even more. This is like people really have to want this. So they ask the first time, you dismiss it. They ask the second time, you dismiss it. The third time they ask, you say, all right, I'm following this tradition. I'm following this teacher. I'm following this system. And I will ask with them if they can have you. Right. So this is, this is even more deeper that you, you let your life speak more than your, you let your life and your actions speak more than your yes. philosophy or your belief system. And the fourth one would be like the next level would be where zip it. It's a completely secret tradition and you will only come across it if you're destined to come across it. So I, I had, I had a friend in college and he said, uh, there was a astrology teacher that he really admired and he wrote to him, can I be your student? He said, send me your horoscope. And based on the horoscope, he, had, he only had like some 20 students around the world. He said, I only select students based on horoscope. Mm. <laughs> if I see an affinity with them, if I'm meant to teach them, then I take them, right? So it's not an open system at all. It's like only if you're meant to, destined to receive it, then you'll receive it. There are actually some teachers like that. And uh, then that would be an act of grace where you really have a strong karmic affinity with that kind of teacher. Mm. So the point I'm trying to make is don't assume that there's only one style. There are many, many styles. And one style may not necessarily be the only style. That's because they used to, oh, guys, put it on Instagram, have a mini workshop, you know, then get ramped up, increase the price level step by step. That is only one style. That is not the only style. There are thousands of ways and you can find your own way that's authentic to you. Mm. Right? So we each have to sense where we're coming from. Like, for example, these days I'm offering a session at 10.30 at night and about a couple of hundred people attend that session. Now, because a couple of people, 100 people are attending, it's very easy for me to talk at the end of it and say, hey guys, this session, this session, this session is coming up. Why don't you sign up for it? But a part of me doesn't want to do that because a part of me senses what is happening here in these 10, 30 sessions is going to be a resource for a very long time to come. Hmm. So why would I add, join my course next month? <laughs> right? But one time it did happen, I think a few days back, I had a strong, like just wanted to come through just to inform that there is a 21 month course starting. Get in touch if you want to. Again, I'm not going to make a rule around it. There's no rule around it. Hmm. 
but right. it felt authentic to me to let the meditation just be the meditation not add at the end of it join this course join that course if people need to join the course they'll find out they'll go and check there's a website there's a telegram group there's an instagram page they'll, they'll, they'll find themselves the bees will find the flowers right you be the flower let the bees find you the buddha says there is no leaf in this world that is big enough to hide an elephant there are big leaves in this world but there is no leaf in this world big enough to hide an entire elephant in other words you should grow so much within your own practice that you you cannot be hidden you you just you're you're that clear you're that powerful you're that awesome that no one has to go. i mean it's all, it's obvious you're just there you're you're the force to be reckoned with there's a book called too good so good they can't ignore you mm. so good that they can't ignore you they can't ignore you you're just that good at what you do right Right. So how about we make that the priority instead of trying to crack some algorithm? Exactly. And maybe there are people in your team or in your community or in your friend circle who are already good at that. So why not? Let's not close ourselves. So yeah, like I had a social media team for a while and they were helping me. And at a certain point, I realized that this is not feeling authentic to me. Too much of advertising and all. I just wanted to do it more organically. Mm. And so then again, I, I just followed my own intuition with this. So I would say experiment. I don't think there's one 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 size fits all. What I'm what I'm sharing here is my style. and take from it not to copy it or you can copy it if you want to but to really discover your style there's no right and wrong way of doing yes. this do you want to be evangelical be evangelical and you will put some people off badly and you'll also get some die hard followers right or you wait for people to ask and share with them or you make it even more secretive like oh my god this is like a big secret thing so then actually create even more like you know when gmail came out we all know this and even clubhouse now it was by by invitation, invitation you couldn't just join gmail Clubhouse is another app now. It's a popular app. You can't yes. just join Clubhouse. You have to be invited to Clubhouse. So they've made it more. You know, it's it's what do you call it? Scarcity, right? Mm. So it's scarcity. It's like, oh, how do I get an invitation to, to Clubhouse? How do I get an invitation to Gmail? And after a while, they opened it up. So this is again another style of doing it, which is also it could also work for some people. Beautiful. So one thing that I'm listening to in all the things that you've shared so far is it all all comes back to you. like it's all coming back to you what's your prime frequency what is really making sense to you and you be that person who's who's an inspiring one you be that elephant which cannot be hidden by any leaf i would also say there there is you but there's also one more which is also not not less important there is what's called the four brahma viharas maitri karuna mudita upeksha mm mm-hmm. and i remember in uh, sri lanka there was one monk who became outstandingly popular he was so he was all over the news he was all over the newspapers everywhere and as monks we know that he's a good monk but there are much, there are much better monks than him there are monks who are far more learned than him there are monks who are far better practiced than him how come he's so popular so we asked our teacher what is it i mean he's good but is he really that good hmm. so our teacher said uh, he's radiating loving kindness is radiating loving kindness so loving kindness i talked about earlier that the bees will find the flowers so if you want a metaphysical secret if you want to attract people then you practice maitri bhavana meta bhavana right maitri bhavana vihar you radiate loving kindness the loving kindness is a soothing balm and it will attract people hmm. but again do it from a pure heart don't if you do it from the ulterior motive how can i get more followers again that will get corrupted a little bit but if you really that's it's, so it's not just what i'm trying to say this is not just about thinking about yourself mm. you can think very deeply about others that how can what i have to share alleviate suffering in the lives of others can it really alleviate the pain and the misery in this world 
and whatever talents and skills and gifts I have may be used for the benefit of that. Right. And even as a so-called relatively ordinary teacher, like I honestly don't think of myself as a great teacher. You know, I uh, like uh, people think, oh, knowledge is this and that. I remember when I would come to Pune when I was a, when I was a monk, and I'd give these talks. I felt, wow, what a great talk I gave. And I go back to my monastery. I listen to my teachers speaking. I say, oh my god, I'm so tiny. My teacher's knowledge is so expansive, and I feel my knowledge is great. So I don't think it's about comparing who's got what level of knowledge. It's just about showing up. Mm. Here's another important teaching: when someone wants to, when someone has a headache or someone has a stomachache or 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 a pain in the foot, they don't Google best doctor in the world. They Google hospital close by, dispensary close by, doctor close by, right? So this whole uh, this thing of I have to be the best coach in the world, I have to be the best healer in the world, the best facilitator in the world, the best. No, you don't have to be the best anything in the world. You just be the best that you can be at that moment, because not everyone is looking for the world's best. They're looking for the whoever's available, right? Correct. And so this whole idea, this this again becomes an ego trap that unless I'm the best, I have the best website, I have the best social media, I can't do anything. No, you can do. Wherever we are placed in this world, there's no accident. Hmm. Right now, if I'm talking to you, this is no accident. You're the best interviewer in the world, and I'm the best interviewee in this world in this moment because there's no other third person. It's just both of us. Correct. Right? So you will do your best in asking questions that really resonate, that are sharp and pointed and meaningful, and I'll do my best in answering them to the best extent I can. And you are the right interviewer, and I'm the right interviewee in this moment. And if I'm put on a stage, then I am the teacher for that moment because I'm on that stage. And if I'm listening, then I'm the best audience in that moment because I'm meant to listen in that moment. So wherever you go, there you are. So this deep sense of worthiness. If I've been put in a place, then I'm the emissary of life and the emissary of the divine in that place. The Sufi is completely comfortable with the most ordinary clothes, the most ordinary food, the most ordinary dwelling. But when he goes to meet the king, nothing but the best will do. he has to be given a higher seat than the king he has to be given given the same kind of quality of food the king gets he has to be given the best possible treatment why because in that moment he's representing something hmm. so not even to be attached to the simple food and the simple clothing wherever you go there you are right and if you're there then really own that i'm meant to be here i deserve to be here like the buddha touching the ground when mara said who are you to sit over here do you even deserve to when he's about to get enlightened do you even deserve to sit over here who gave you the right to sit over here and mm. the buddha just gently touches his fingers to the ground bhumi sparsh mudra he touches his fingers to the ground and says earth is witness i deserve to sit here and the entire earth quakes yes he deserves to sit here and it splits open it swallows up mara which is a demon and all the other uh, the different troublemakers it gets swallowed up the troublemakers and mara represents our own inner doubts our own inner voice says am i worthy am i ready can i do this and just gently touch the earth and say yes i'm worthy if i'm here i'm worthy i have waited yayati i waited my whole life mm. to talk to you right now and you have waited your whole life to ask me these questions right now you could not be more worthy you could not be more prepared i could not be more worthy i could not be more prepared this whole worthy unworthy system has just been thrown out because it's an artificial comparison that would be another point i want to make this comparison with all these people we put on a pedestal yeah we cannot be fully authentic as long as we're putting people on a pedestal someone once asked me we were hiking in utah and she asked me nitya if you were teaching and you discovered your own teachers were sitting in the audience what would happen i said what a great question so i tuned in and i checked and i said nothing would happen i would still continue to teach exactly the way i'm teaching i'd just be a little, little bit more alert <laughs> 
<laughs> so it would not make me feel oh my god my teachers are here no i'd be fine because i'm not here to be like them i'm here to be like me hmm. i'm not here to be like the buddha i love the buddha but i'm not here to be like the buddha because the buddha has done the buddha role kabir has done the kabir role hmm. right christ has done the christ role uh, tony robbins has done the tony tony robbins role if i try to be a tony robbins i'm going to be a half baked tony robbins i'm going to be a half baked buddha i'm going to be a half baked uh, jesus christ i'm going to be a half baked mother teresa no i'm not here to be any of them i'm here to be me and i'm going to be a unique amalgamation of them and many other amazing qualities that have never been seen before and like this when we stop putting people on a pedestal the buddha says if you think of yourself as inferior to someone you're deluded if you see yourself as superior to someone you're deluded and if you see yourself as equal to someone you're deluded you're neither better nor worse nor equal you just are the way you are so honor your own unique essence that's a big part of being authentic and even that will also then shine through in the way you teach in the way you coach in the way you counsel and in the way you you know instead of just copy pasting what other people are doing you'll find your own approach doing it and you learn from it it may not always work in the beginning but you learn you'll reflect and you learn it'll get better and better as you go along hmm. wonderful i was going to ask you about worthiness and you've already answered that so let's see if there's anything else coming up because i've got a very clear sense about what needs to be done and hmm. like there are no questions i had a lot but there are none now i would say focus on adding value ask hmm. yourself how can i share my gifts and uh, what i've done is there are countless uh, again it's been very intuitive i didn't plan this one day i was about to give a talk and a part of me said hey you should record this talk i said all right so i just put my phone and recorded it then i went to amazon i bought a voice recorder and little later i got a better rode microphone it just got a little better but basically over the years from whatever 2013 14 onwards i've been recording my talks so now there are over 6 700 talks right all right and then uh, one day i got an intuition hey let's just put up half an hour meditations on youtube and that led to a very powerful series of 50 intense guided meditations on youtube and then one day i had a sense hey what if these talks get transcribed so i put up on my on my telegram group would any of you like to transcribe my talks and over 200 people volunteered so now many of those talks are getting transcribed and they're enjoying doing it because they go deeper into these teachings it's like a sadhana for them okay. and a huge body of literature is getting created of all of these things i've shared over the years stories and anecdotes and pointers and principles and guide, uh, guided meditation and what not and it's all happening rather intuitively right so when someone says hey nitya i can't afford your work i say well there are hundreds of <laughs> uh, soundcloud talks there are hundreds of youtube videos there is countless for, for more than 12 years i posted on facebook you can go back and look at the archive such a lot of stuff i've shared on facebook there's a huge amount of stuff available for free yeah. i'm often doing these days in pandemic time i'm doing guided meditation at night for free and then there are courses that are available that are not not very expensive for 2 3000 rupees or even 500 rupees you can join and then there are a little bit more expensive courses which are more like for 1 lakh and then there are even more expensive courses which are like for 4 5 lakhs and so everyone finds what works for them right correct okay. and i can be i can be clear that at each level i'm adding value with my time and my and my attention and the number of people i'm working with i'm trying to see how i can add value and everything will not resonate for everybody hmm. and so that's the way i have found in which i can be comfortable uh, charging nothing charging something charging a lot and charging i don't even think i actually charge that much if actually if i look at uh, worldwide what people like me charge 
I'm actually on the far lower end of what people at my caliber are usually charging, right? So I'm quite, I actually feel very comfortable charging whatever I charge. I feel very comfortable because I know that this is uh, the value that I'm adding is at least on my side, I see it as priceless. What I'm sharing is priceless. Whatever you pay me, this may be my arrogance, but whatever you pay me, it is nothing compared to what you're receiving. You may not realize the value of what you're receiving, but whatever you pay me is nothing compared to what you're receiving. So for, for in that sense, I have a deep sense of wholesomeness in what I'm sharing. Mm. And I want not only myself to be able to live a life that is not only a very uh, so-called enlightened life, but I want to taste all the flavors of life. You know, I want to be able to uh, give my team uh, a good lifestyle. I want to create a community that is a community based on joy and service and a community based on contribution. So we want to get, I want to get a nice big patch of land where we can actually do fun experiments together. That takes money, right? If I want to buy a whole hillside in Uttarakhand, that takes some money. And that's, I think, a very good use of money compared to all the nonsense we're doing. Like right now, I read about how they're going to be digging up an entire forest in Madhya Pradesh to get diamonds. If money can be used for that kind of nonsense, I'd rather money come to people like me who will preserve forests and preserve hills. Money should come to people like me and you. Hmm. We'll, do, we'll use money much better than money going to all kinds of absurd, uh, absurd people doing all kinds of funny things, right? So money should come. Money should come to us and we will use it in a very good way, in a balanced way, in a way that's more beneficial for the long, long lasting happiness and joy of all. So no qualms about charging a lot, about charging something and no qualms about charging nothing. And like this opening up, and of course, sometimes there will be qualms. So great. Now, this is a place to practice. Like I said, apply the tools you're sharing with the world mm. on the parts of your system which are feeling contracted, on the shadows as they come up. Primarily, this is not about others. It is about your own growth. Mm. Right. And in that process, you're healing yourself and you're liberating yourself and you're liberating all of yourself. All these so-called others are just a reflection of yourself. And like this towards yourself, but the beautiful Buddhist teaching, when it comes to yourself, apply wisdom. When it comes to others, apply compassion. Yes. And how beautiful. Wisdom for yourself, compassion for others. Wisdom for yourself, compassion for others. Hmm. Thank you. And I just have one question which popped up. If you could share one practice and one insight around money, how to money, prosperity and abundance, what would that be? I see money as, first of all, you have to ask yourself, what does money mean to you? Hmm. To me, money is the energy of blessings. It's not just paper. It's the energy of blessings. right? And so can I see money as that? So when money comes to me, can I say, arigato, thank you, thank you. Arigato, thank you in Japanese. So yes. whenever money comes in, even a small amount of money comes in, thank you, arigato, arigato. When I spend money, can I say, arigato, go as a blessing, come back with your friends. Hmm. Was a blessing come to your friend. So can I have, can I begin to see money as a spiritual thing? Can I begin to see money as uh, something that is coming to me to be purified, purified in how I look at it? So gratitude, gra an awakened sense of gratitude in my relationship to money. So one exercise, I think you've done this with me, is we actually hold money in our hands. And we actually go through the money and we check what images, what feelings, what memories are coming up. Oh, this is dirty. This is not nice. Uh, this is evil. Uh, oh, this is, no, I don't have enough of this. Uh, am, I, am I greedy to hold this money? This is all the stuff we need to work with. So money in all its forms, not just cash, in all its forms, I think it requires us, just like a relationship. If you and I have a friendship, 
our friendship requires some maintenance some sustenance some nourishment your relationship with money also requires it so can you keep on upgrading your perception of money and be a lifelong student don't just learn from one statement i'm going to make be a lifelong student of money learn from people like avahi takeda with this book maro up is about him uh, learn read read this book uh, science of getting rich um think and grow rich by napoleon hill is pretty decent uh, there's so many books and oh, i've got a book right here the good millionaire t harv ecker we've been doing this in our money course recently prosperity portal okay so uh be a lifelong student there's so many things to learn about this and uh then you will find your relationship with money and with people and with your work keeps on getting more and more refined mm. and uh if you if you if you want more money then study the people who have a lot of money and they think differently from people who don't have so much money they have a different style like this book talks about it there there are broke attitudes people have broke people he he says don't listen to broke people but a lot of my friends are broke well love them but don't listen to them <laughs> so if you want more money then hang out with people hang out with people who have more money and understand how they think about things they think a little differently than broke people think right broke is not poor broke just means you you're not uh earning as much as you could because you're holding yourself back at some level for whatever belief system you have so whatever you want to learn and whatever you want to have study that that's study that be a, be a lifelong student of it yeah mm. be a lifelong student of these things beautiful i think on that note we can we can wrap this up it was beautiful it was amazing it was uh i don't i didn't know what to expect out of this conversation but i think like you said it has added a lot of value and it will keep adding value to all the people who listen to the, to our conversation and yeah. even if i revisit it after let's say a few months it will be uh, like i'll get some insights for sure from this i want to share one more thing i'm remembering you know as monks we never used money uh, we only need four requisites to survive we need some food some clothing some shelter and sometimes some medicines so our teacher said something very important once he said as long as you're doing your dharma as a monk and the monk's case is quite simple you there are certain rules we follow as a monk that's right. part of it there's certain practices we do like meditation and you know as long as you're doing a dharma as a monk he said you will always get what you need hmm. you will not go without food you will not go without shelter you will not go without clothing and you'll not go without medicine but then he added you may not always get what you you may not always get what you want you'll always get what you need right sometimes you may want to have that kind of food or that kind and i love that that your baseline is always taken care of yes so yes. this fear that oh my god what will happen you know india mein kaise sadak par aa jayenge or we lose everything uh what my teacher was saying is that cannot happen if you are fulfilling your dharma in this world hmm. your needs will be taken care of food will be taken care of shelter will be taken care of clothing will be taken care of medicine will be taken care of now beyond and you may not always get instantly especially in the beginning you may not always get exactly what you want but your needs are taken care of but you know it's all right because we, this is our calling and some of us will do it and enormously uh, successful and earning a lot of money and fantastic and some of us less so but we are still fulfilling our dharma so money is not the way you want to equate how successful you are in yes. this that is not the way of course we want to have a good good approach towards money and abundance and prosperity but the main point is take away the fear Hmm. take away the fear 
what I have done is, and I also ask people in my prosperity portal, make a list of all possible alternative professions. I like, I like the number 108. So I made a list of over 108 alternate things I could do. So tomorrow, if for whatever reason, I can't do this kind of teaching, mm. what else can I do? I made a list of 108 other things. So you know what? If it doesn't work out, all right, we'll do something else. I'll become a scuba diving instructor. <laughs> I'll, I'll read st- I'll, uh, books to children in a library. You know, There are so many other things I can do. There are over 108, 108 other things I can do. Mm. So this is also good. Don't get so hung up that, oh, if I don't do this, everything's over. No, you're so talented. There are so many things you can do. So give it your best. And you not only will your needs get taken care of, you will really progress further. The whole idea of saying your needs will always be taken care of is take out fear from the equation. Hmm. What's going to happen? Nothing's going to happen. Even if you were not trained as a monk, my teacher gives a beautiful assurance. You fulfill your dharma, you give wholeheartedly to the world and you serve it selflessly and you will be taken care of enormously, mm. endlessly. Mm. The universe takes care of you endlessly when you serve the world selflessly, right? And your intelligence with how to work with people, how to delegate, how to you know, manage your resources, uh, how to, you know, when to, when to give more of yourself and to take a step back and replenish yourself, that'll all come because as you mm. go along and as you're reflective, what's working, what's not working, am I really as enthusiastic about what I do as I used to be? And if not, then check. Something needs to be adjusted. Somewhere you're maybe giving more than you're receiving or nourishing yourself. So the internal barometer, the internal, the internal frequency will tell you what needs attention and listen to that. Listen to that inner guidance. When the voice and the vision on the inside becomes louder than the voices and opinions on the outside, you've mastered your life. So I wish every single person listening to this is on the journey of mastering their life, which means listening to that inner voice and their inner vision, because what the world needs is people that with hearts that sing. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes, the, makes your heart sing. Because what this world desperately needs is more people like Yayati and Nityashanti, whose hearts are singing. <laughs> <laughs> we want your heart to also sing, and you, we want you to inspire many others whose hearts will sing. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. So with that, we end this interview here. but there are a lot more conversations waiting for us. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please leave a five-star review on Apple podcasts. If you know someone inspiring and successful, please pass them on to me. I'd love to interview them and share their story. If you want to get coached to create the life of your dreams, Connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Yayati Desai. That is Y-A-Y-A-T-I-D-E-S-A-I. You can also connect with me on my website at yayatidesai.com. Thanks once again for listening. Until next time, do something awesome.